Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. As we were sitting in, in worship and I was thinking of how in the world Christ has been replaced with an X. So it goes from Christmas to Xmas. And Marcus, when he was here a little while ago, who leads Cornerstone in Joburg, he made a statement and he said that there are two types of people in this world, those who believe in Jesus and those who are yet to believe in Jesus. And um, I was just thinking about the fact that if we look in, in our understanding, X marks the spot is always the place that hides the treasure. And I was just thinking this morning how there are two types of people in this world, those who have acknowledged Jesus as the treasure and those who are yet to uncover him. And, and those who have uncovered him see Christmas. But those who are yet to uncover him, have they still speak of the treasure without realizing that that's the place where we find our hope, we find our purpose, we find our salvation, and we find our king. And what a privilege it is. So, um, I'm not going to preach a long message today. But I, I just had a couple of points that really stuck out for me as I started spending some time just pondering on the purpose of what are we doing and why are we here and, and why do we celebrate Christmas? And, and it's, a, it's a special time for us as believers where we get to honor our King and, and get to just to spend time, time recognizing the majesty of who Jesus is. And we're going to go into our vision and value time early in next year. And one of the things that we will, we'll spend some time on is the majesty of Jesus. And I've really been reminded lately to go back and acknowledge how just incredibly glorious he really is. Um, I was reading a book a little while ago called A Dangerous Calling. And it speaks about uh, full-time ministry and pastoral ministry. And one of the statements that this gent made in this book about why so many pastors burn out and so many of them land up um, walking away from ministry because of burnout and fatigue, is they stop grabbing hold of the gospel that they share into the lives of so many people. They stop washing themselves with the redemptive blood of Jesus, that they speak over those who are hurting, those who are lost. And there's something of that that's really stirred in my heart, and I think it comes back to it's easy to get into this performance-driven, just go through the motions and we know Jesus, but we forget about just how incredible and majestic he really is. So I want to read out of the book of Luke, and I'm going to start in Luke 1. I want to read a, a fairly long passage of scripture, and it's probably not, um, it's probably the introduction to most Christmas messages, but it doesn't become the, the function of it. But I just really felt there are a couple of pertinent points in this that speak of his majesty that I want to highlight to us this morning. And it says there um, in Luke 1 from verse 5, it says, In the day of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. So speaking of the fact that Aaron was the high priest back in the Old Testament, so she was of the lineage of the high priest. And it says that her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blindly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. 
if, if that is a way that God can speak of my life, I would be incredibly happy. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, this is Zechariah, uh, when his div uh, division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. It's amazing, when we stand in the majesty of angels, we fall down in fear. How much more when we stand in the presence of God? And we as believers have access to His presence. And it's not that we want to be fearful of Him, but there's something of His majesty that needs to grip our hearts. And it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. It's amazing how many times in Scripture, when, when this happens, fear grips us because we don't understand the majesty. But all of a sudden, what are, we, what are we reassured of? Don't be afraid. It says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now, it's amazing how it says there that they were of age, so that they, they were older in years, and yet Zechariah was still contending for a son because it says his prayer had been heard. So there's something of his faithfulness in praying over his wife that, that was recognized by God. And it says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he must be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. It's amazing how often God speaks us through what is going to happen. And it says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God. Again, it's important for us to note how often in Scripture, Jesus isn't referred to as Savior, but as Lord. And sometimes we reduce Jesus just to being Savior, but He's so much more than that. Savior is a component of who He is. But the Lordship of Christ is something that we have to look at, because it's in that that we establish our purpose in the advancement of the kingdom. And it says, And many will turn to the Lord their God, and He will go before Him in the spirit of, and power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So this is speaking over John the Baptist that he will prepare people for this revelation of the Messiah. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Just that moment, a little bit of doubt creeps into his heart and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. It's amazing that when you enter the presence of God, you cannot help, but people cannot help but recognize that you had been with him. It says, and they had realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. 
And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And my first point in this is that the majesty of Jesus takes everyone concerned into account, the individual and the crowd. It's amazing how in the midst of this John 3.16 moment, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, in the moment that, that Jesus is preparing to come to earth, the barrenness of Elizabeth is taken into consideration. And that's something of the majesty of Christ, how he takes into consideration even the, 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 the individual while he's ministering to the world. And, and it's a beautiful picture, and it says that... Elizabeth was ashamed of her barrenness because she had been rebuked. There was something of a shame that she was carrying, and, and he came to restore that. Jesus, in the fullness of his story, used his birth to redeem the reputation of Elizabeth. There's something about that that really blows my mind in how Jesus comes in, and he's so intentional with this couple who he sees are righteous and blameless before him. And it goes on to say in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. Even in this, it's amazing how Joseph never played a part in the conception of Jesus, yet the, the, the lineage of Jesus was attributed to Joseph as you go through and you see that Jesus was traced back to David because that fulfills the prophecy. So even in that, it's amazing how the history of Joseph was strategically chosen for the outworking of Jesus' lineage. It says, um, what Joseph was the, of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And once again, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Sometimes when God comes and he speaks over us, it's amazing how fear grips our hearts. And it's something that we need to be reminded of. Do not be afraid because the purpose and the calling of God will always exceed our own abilities. Because if it didn't, he wouldn't be able to be glorified in what was happening. But it's scary when he calls us to something beyond our own capability. But it's in that that he reveals his majesty to us. It says, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child shall, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son in the sixth month with her 
with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel of the Lord departed from her. Something that we can learn from Mary's attitude when God speaks, if that is our response, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Is such an incredible way for us to surrender to him and trust that he will lead us into the fullness of what he's called us to. Our second point is the majesty of Jesus prepares our faith to believe in the impossible. The fact that John was conceived six months before Jesus was used as an opportunity to stir Mary's faith. Because when Mary saw that Elizabeth had, had conceived a child and she knew that Mary was barren and the angels, but uh, in that she knew that Elizabeth was barren, when she saw Elizabeth, it stirred her own faith in understanding that what was being spoken was real. We see a similar instance when um, Jairus comes to Jesus and he talks about his daughter being um, dying and he says, come with me. And Jesus starts going and what happens? Jesus gets interrupted with the woman with the blood and she was bleeding and she touches Jesus' robe. Jesus turns, who, who touched me? And we have that encounter where Jesus recognizes that power left him. What happened in that moment is Jairus' faith was stirred when he got to see this. So by the time they arrived back at his house and everyone was mocking Jesus to say that Jairus' daughter was dead, Jesus says, no, but she's just sleeping. Why? Because Jairus had already also received a stirring of faith. And it's amazing how God uses Elizabeth's story to stir Mary's faith in the journey that's unfolding before her. In Romans 4, verse 20 to 22, speaking of Abraham, it says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. No unbelief made him waver. It wasn't that there was the absence of unbelief, but even in the presence of unbelief, he did not waver from believing the, the promises of God. And that is why his faith was accredited to him as righteous, righteousness. And we see this unfolding in Mary's life as she gets to be a part of this incredible story, recognizing that even in this, it will open her up to persecution because of the fact that she, as a betrothed woman, um, is now... With, with a child. And, and we see how, how Joseph responds to that as well. And the fact that he was willing to be faithful to her in the midst of this and believe the promise of God is a credible story as well. So it says, in those days, in verse 39, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she, as she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, that's John the Baptist, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, and in the Bible it's, the Lord is with a capital L, should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
says Elizabeth's response. Now, remember, the angel spoke over Elizabeth to say that the baby within her womb needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit in her womb. But not only was John filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. And point number three, the majesty of Jesus brings supernatural anointing and revelation. So, I've got a statement here, and, and, and this has really blown my mind, and I think this really captured my attention in reading this passage of Scripture, is do we recognize the significance of the revelation Elizabeth had? Being in the presence of the fetus of Jesus, she recognized him as Lord. The presence of an undeveloped baby brought her to a place of surrendering to Jesus as King. Like, do we understand the bigness of what happened in that moment? Is Elizabeth, she says here, she says, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Lord, capital L. This was the baby Jesus in the womb of Mary, the mere presence of him in that room filled John with the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit and brought about the revelation of his Lordship. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings divine revelation. So even when she gets filled with the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Lordship of Jesus starts to operate. Now, we know that the, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin, but what is the purpose of being convicted of sin is actually it points us to the Savior that we need to redeem us from that sin. And the Holy Spirit points us to the, the Savior of Jesus, this incredible Lordship of who He is. So I just really was blown away by this encounter as you, you see Gabriel meeting with Zechariah, Gabriel um, meeting with Mary, and the outworking of the exchange that takes place, and the majesty of the presence of Jesus in the outworking, this, this, the three points, the majesty of Jesus takes everyone concerned into account, the individual and the crowd. The majesty of Jesus prepares our faith to believe in the impossible, and the majesty of Jesus brings supernatural anointing and revelation. And yet he had not even been born yet. And this is already the fruit of just the outworking of this plan here on earth. And we need to be a people who recognize the bigness of what is happening and how the, the outworking of this. So I want to land with, with this scripture as we, we close. Um, and it's just, I want to read this portion and you see his presence and the impact that it has says in Luke 2 from verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's amazing that before... The righteousness of Christ is bestowed upon us every time in the presence of, of something of His majesty. We are filled with fear. But when the robe of righteousness is bestowed upon us, we get to enter the presence of the Father with confidence. Something special about Jesus blessing us with His righteousness that qualifies us for the presence without fear. 
says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Once again, do we understand the bigness of this picture as these shepherds are standing in the field and there they open, there's this, this opening into to see heaven in the fullness of its glory. And there was a host praising God saying, I mean, do we recognize the majesty of our king when the host of heaven is standing worshiping him and worshiping the fact that he Look at little Madison there. And, and you think of him lying in a manger like a baby like this here. And heaven is worshipping him. It says, and, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. Once again, there's something about this. They went with haste. When Jesus speaks, we need to be a people who go with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It's one of my favorite scriptures as... They foretell this thing, and she's had this encounter with, with the angel. She knows that this is the Lord that is in her belly. She knows the encounter that took place when she walked into Elizabeth's presence. And she's just, she says she treasured up all these things, treasured them, and was pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for, they had, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the, in the womb. The shepherds rejoiced at his lordship. They, they got to encounter the king, and they walked away glorifying the king. You cannot enter the presence of Jesus, even as a baby, and not leave transformed. So, Lord, we thank you, Father, for this, time, this beautiful Christmas morning, Lord, and I pray, Father, that... Once again, the revelation of your bigness will be revealed to us. That we will experience the fullness of your glory. Lord, I pray, Father, that we will be a people who are so willing to be obedient to the plans and the purposes that you have. I thank you, Lord, that you came to this world. That you reduced yourself to a baby so that you may live that you may die and that you may rise again so that we might have life and life everlasting. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being called into your kingdom and for the fact that you grant us purpose. The King of kings and the Lord of lords welcomes us into his kingdom with purpose for its advancement. Lord, we thank you for 
just your plans and your purposes. I was reminded this week that it's amazing how often we receive the lies of the enemy over the truth of God. Because sometimes the lies of the enemy seem less far-fetched. Lord, I pray, Father, that we will be a people who truly believe in the impossible. I pray that we will stir one another up in faith. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, just for who you are, what you do, and the privilege of being able to enter your presence as new creations with this incredible robe of righteousness upon us. We pray for more of you, more of the outworking of your presence in our lives. Love you, Lord Jesus.